Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting-edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales to acquire more customers for your business through traffic. And we're going to be talking about measurement today, Qasem Aslam. The much-anticipated... than that, Ralph. Met, well, all right. The much-anticipated, much Today we're talking about nutrition and stretching. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be talking about taxes. Yeah. Series seven. Yeah, exactly. Grammar. Yep. And Dude, that's uh, the problem with this topic. Law. It's the most important topic, but it's the least <laughs> sexy. Like there's no sugar to it at all. I try to get people excited about, we're doing a lot of videos and stuff about offline conversions and tracking and how important it is. Nobody wants to hear about I'm it. I'm already, yeah. <sighs> But if you don't have it, like nothing else matters, really. Dude, I said this last episode. I actually said this when I introduced our guest on stage. I think that this guy, and I'm not trying to flatter because I haven't said this about another person before or since, is the most important voice in marketing. He has been consistent with that. Period. Full stop. Like yep. this is the most important message you'll hear. It's mm -hmm. the most important information you can take action on. And I'm not an affiliate. I should be. He should be cutting me a check if we're being honest. But if you don't do this, it's what you just said. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters beyond your ability to measure. I know. We need to like figure out a way to make him sexier. Like he's got sexy hair. He's a handsome uh, have you devil. seen him though? I yeah. don't know if that's possible. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. I mean, but like what he talks about, nobody thinks it's sexy. Nobody thinks it's like that's what cool. Yeah. And that's the problem. With Here's it. the benefit we have. Our listeners are what? CMOs, director of marketing, mm -hmm. CEOs, business owners. You don't have to do this yourself. Go bark at somebody who works for you mm -hmm. to do this, but just make sure that it gets done. Yeah, I guess we come at this from two different angles. You're the techie, innovative guy who loves AI and, and even knows how to operate within GA4, Google Analytics, all the stuff we're going to be talking about here today. Like you'll do all that. I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. I'm more like I have people that do it, which doesn't You're necessarily, it, I'm not, I just, yeah. I'm not interested in it. I'm did. not interested in doing it. <laughs> no, that's actually not it. I think I represent a fair amount of our listeners that are out there. I am not interested in going into GA4 and figuring stuff out. So yeah, I, I you don't valet your do, car. And I park and walk. I understand. <laughs> I, see what, I see what we're saying here. But you actually enjoy it to a certain degree. I don't enjoy it. I hate it. But I just know it's important. So I'm coming at it from that angle. Well, and here's the way that I think I sexify this conversation a little bit. Okay. Make it sexy. I believe very strongly it's not just nuts and bolts. That's how people look at it. When you understand the way that it works, you actually start to equip yourself with the ability to develop strategies to use these mechanisms and give yourself competitive advantage. And I'll give you a very, very, very specific example. The very first time I ever won Wicked Smart at War Room, it was using measurement strategies. 
I started using Facebook's offline conversion tracking, but I used it before conversions took place. And if you'll forgive me for being massively arrogant, it was brilliant. We tracked predictive indications of conversion, captured Facebook's equivalent of the GCLID from the URL using Hotjar, and then piped that back into Facebook and lied to Facebook and said, hey, these people converted. And it juiced our Facebook campaigns at a time when everybody else's Facebook campaigns were dying. And Facebook came on an episode here at Perpetual Traffic and ended up saying, yeah, that's brilliant. It's a gold standard. But it was because I understood enough. I don't understand anywhere near as much as this dude does, but I understood enough to hack it. So that's where I think everybody needs to understand it enough because it gives you those competitive advantages. And I think in that case, from a high level, what you're talking about right now is actually one of the things I want to talk to our guest here today. We haven't even mentioned his name yet. I just love him being like this mystery guy. But if they've already listened in, they probably know the title and he's in the title of the episode. Well, but anyway, the offline conversion thing is a big deal. It's one of the game-changing things that we're doing as an agency with our spend right now. So I understand how it works. I understand, I get it. I don't necessarily, I've never done an offline conversion. I know kind of how to do it, but that's the difference. Like I understand the importance of it. I understand the importance of Chris Mercer, who is the co-founder of measurementmarketing.io being on perpetual traffic and that you should be listening no matter who you are, whether you're in the trenches doing it, every single day, well, you know, doing like technical stuff, or you're like a CEO, just so you know, and if you're a director of marketing, so you know that that's a really important thing to focus in on. It's not necessarily the traffic. It's not necessarily the offer. None of that stuff really matters unless you actually have the measurement. And that's the reason why Chris is here today. Welcome back. This is your third time or the 11th time, depending on how you count it. Third time's the charm. (laughs) Third time's the charm. Welcome back to PT, bud. No, thanks. You know, and just help bridge the gap between the two of you a little bit. The Cosm definitely was more on the implementation end of things. You, Ralph, more on the strategy side of things. But both are important when it comes to measurement, right? So some people on your team do need to know how to set up the brass tacks of how to actually build the machine. But there has to be that architect who develops and plans out and builds the blueprint of what the machine is and how it's supposed to work. And if that architect has no idea about the tools, they're going to create buildings that cannot be built, which is why it's important to have at least have an, a general understanding if you're on the strategy side. And we'll talk about that today, about what the tool should be used for. How would you know if you're even using the tool properly? Or more importantly, if your team is really using the tool properly. And then of course, on the flip side, you then have to, if you're on that person, you're actually building things out in the measurement side, you're not just planning it out or using it, then you do need to understand the tool itself so you can take advantage of it. And more importantly, maybe even feedback to the strategy side, as especially with a tool like Google Analytics 4, constantly evolving to be able to say like, oh, now it does this. Hey, why don't we do this, this, and this? I think it can answer questions that can lead to actions. And that's kind of why we like training the entire company culture to have that measurement culture. What I've found is that even though, all right, I'm not going out and actually doing the implementation, but just the fact that from a high level, and I'm speaking to like CEOs and CMOs and directors of marketing, just the fact that you know it's important, always keeping it top of mind and reinforcing that message, I think is super important. When I'll go into accounts, I'm like, all right, what are we doing for offline conversions? How's our tracking? Like, how's it all set up? What are we doing there? It's almost the first thing I always ask, just because I realize it's so important. And it's the thing that the client probably isn't asking for. Everyone's doing their work every single day. We've got tons of people doing stuff. And then they're like, 
oh crap, none of our work is actually being tracked. Oh, we're not being optimized inside the ad platform. I was like, well, of course you're not. Are you importing your offline conversions? Do we have a Zapier set up? And then I'll mention those sorts of things like, oh yeah, it doesn't happen all that often, but I think just placing the emphasis on how important this is, I know we're way overemphasizing this on this intro, but I think the overemphasis is important because you should overemphasize it because so many people forget about it. That's you just my got point. meta with your emphasis. <laughs> I got emphasis, emphasis, you need to over-emphasis and more emphasis. The overemphasis. All right. Yeah. So before this, this we go into this is Christopher Nolan now. Emphasis inception. Where's my top? If it's over, it's 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 over by the end of this podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't say it's meta anymore because then Mark Zuckerberg went out and stole that. So anyway, so before we get meta on emphasis again, Chris, can you lay on a tasty little bite-sized nugget of some measurement goodness that the perpetual traffic listener may not be implementing, but you know a little something about. Ooh, specifically to measurement. So if I was going to pick a measurement tool, have I talked to you about Clarity yet? Have you guys heard of Oh, Microsoft no. Clarity. Install Microsoft? that oh. tool. So this is Microsoft's, oh, this would be the best nugget ever when it comes to measurement. It's just clarity.microsoft.com. You go there, you create a free account. It's basically Microsoft's answer to an analytics platform. Actually, they've been having this tool for now two or three years, somewhere around there. But it's gotten progressively better. And what it does is it's very similar in spirit to what Hotjar does or Crazy Egg, except it's free, completely free. It goes on your pages. It's a piece of script you put on your code, whether you install it, however you install script on your site, goes to all pages, will automatically record those pages. So you have screen recordings. Automatic is the key word there. Automatic recording. It's all anonymized. It's GDPR compliant for those that are concerned about that. Heat maps, click maps. It can do all of that. And then what it'll do is every week, it'll send you a breakdown. This is one of my favorite things of how they describe it because they're describing it in terms of behaviors, which is how marketers think, right? It's how a dashboard should be built. So they'll say, well, 20% of your clicks this week were rage clicks. You're like, what's a rage click? Well, rage click is when somebody's clicking quickly, expecting an action. They're clicking again because they're not getting the action they expect. And it's like, oh, 20%. And then it's like, would you like to watch those videos? Yes, I would. What URLs is that happening on? You can actually see it happen. And it's a more qualitative way of getting information, right? You're seeing a story and not having to stare at a bunch of numbers all the time. So Microsoft Clarity by far would be my biggest nugget that I think everybody should be using. Again, it's free and it can only help give more visibility into the user journeys and kind of what the conversation is between what the website's having with the user and what the user's actually experiencing. Dude, I thought Microsoft was just going to roll over and die. And it's unbelievable how they're making this insane comeback all of a sudden. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Even taking over the lead when they kind of got through everything with ChatGPT and made that deal. It was amazing. It showed a lot of foresight. Yeah. You say foresight. I say luck. Well, there's a little bit, no matter what. Even if I was like, my plan worked perfectly, it's also because it was sprinkled with luck. So I think luck is always in play. But what is it? Luck plus preparation, right? Or opportunity plus preparation is luck. So they were prepared for a whole lot of money. They're sitting on a whole lot of like billions and billions billions of dollars. Other other than that, it's fine. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All you need to be successful is billions of dollars. So that is definitely Microsoft Clarity. Check that out. It's a really cool tool. Easy to set up, simple to get through. Absolutely worth checking out. So we just did a tools episode, actually, and we talked about Hotjar Lucky Orange. This is free, and the differentiator between those two is free or better, or what's your sense? Dude, free, unlimited traffic, unlimited heat maps, unlimited websites, unlimited team members. I'm looking at the website right now. Yeah. Like it's, it's an impressive tool. It needs to be on the list. It needs to be on the list. I love the rage click thing, too. Rage it's really click cool. And, and they have another one that's like dead end clicks, right? So it's like the dead clicks. 
that go to a 404. It's like, oh, okay. It's helping you out with the things that as a marketer specifically, you're going to want to ask questions around generic efficiency of how the site's working. You know what I mean? It works really well how that marketing message is working. So cool. All right. Well, we love tools here. So that's a damn good one. The rest of the bar too high. That's not good. That's not good. Yeah. No, generally that's true. That's why we only have you three times (laughs) and not every episode. (laughs) We'll have to set the bar lower next time. Like we've been building you up for months and months here. So (laughs) no pressure, but you got to deliver. No pressure. No pressure. But let's talk about GA4. We're going to get into GA4 and why Chris Mercer says it's not as bad as everybody thinks. And we're going to get into that right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. All right, we are here with the Chris Mercer, by the way. I can't even see your flow today because you got like a hat on. That's so unyou. Like Chris... I would say best hair I got the, in got all that, that of hair. digital I do, I do have that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sorry, Cosm. I mean, this guy. No, not I, only no, is he super We're in different yeah. categories. Cosm's at a whole <laughs> other level. He's like heavyweight. It's, I'm in the midlife crisis category, and Chris is in the, what would you say, male model category. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll let you say it. That's perfect. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if I'd say it, but I appreciate that you do. We might have to have Tom Breeze on just to see if he can grab the hair crown back. But anyway, he's another two or three time visitor here. So I think you've got one on him there in the hair, at least today. So let's get into the real hair here, which is GA4. So for those of you who <laughs> maybe have been in this industry and have been living under a rock for maybe the last six to 12 months. Tell us a brief history of what GA4 is, what Google was thinking when they changed everything over from Universal, what the differences are. Let's just sort of lay the foundation here for people because I'm sure the reason why they're listening here today is that they're probably having some challenges with it and they're maybe looking for some solutions. So maybe start there. Sure. So going back, kind of do us like a little five-minute recap of sort of how Google Analytics has evolved over time. So they buy this urchin tracking stuff, which was where UTMs actually come from. You know, people that are used to using Google Analytics use UTMs to measure traffic. And that's where it comes from, urchin tracking module, right? So that was the original company that Google bought, renamed as Google Analytics. That became known as Classic Analytics, like years and years ago. This is 10, 15 years ago. When that platform was initially created, remember, it was coming off of our previous version of analytics, which for those of you old enough to remember, was those hit counter boxes where you could refresh your page and it'd be like, 2,000 people saw this page now. Like that's all they really had. So this is the first platform that tried to unify all those hits together, which is why they still called them hits back then, to come through into a database where we could explore different behaviors. So that was classic analytics. Back then, there were laptops, I'm sure. There were desktops, of course. There were no tablets, didn't exist. The technology wasn't there. There were all flip phones at that point. There wasn't even thinking of being on the internet. There certainly wasn't internet of things. And nobody had an idea of what an app was at all, or the app stores and, and a completely different code base for that. So it was built on this platform that was kind of like a Model T was 100 years ago. Like the Model T Ford was built for roads that are long and straight and you can go slow on and it doesn't need a lot of fancy bells and whistles on it, right? It's a very simple sort of mechanism to get us from point A to point B. 
but then the world becomes more complex over time. So one of those big updates that Google did later, what they now call Universal Analytics, which is the most recent version before this GA4 one came out, Universal got upgraded because everyone was thinking in terms of users, not visits anymore, right? They used to call sessions. So now it's all about the users and they reworked some of the code in the back end so that no marketer had to go and like reinstall, you know, a brand new Google Analytics setup. It was like they could come in, they could flip out the code, just the piece of script or whatever. And all of a sudden their analytics was the same, but better. It was easier to get through and a little bit more useful to them. So they did that. Well, then the world continues to evolve, right? People are thinking, okay, yeah, I've got cross device. I know that there's phones that can reach internet now, but there is this problem with, I want to be able to measure my app installs and are they coming from the website? And these are two different platforms. There's the app, which has a completely different code base than what a website does, what your WordPress site might have or a Shopify store. So how do you connect those? It's really, really hard to do that. Only very incredibly large companies that ran their own databases could do something like that. So Google's seeing this happen. They're seeing GDPR come across, right? And all the privacy concerns going with data and that people need to have greater control. People like you and I, everyone listening to this podcast has to have greater control over what goes in because sometimes they can't legally keep it like HIPAA compliant stuff. And sometimes it's how it comes out. So when a user says, hey, I would like you to delete my data, you can actually do that you know, to the best of your abilities to delete that user level data and those details. So that's kind of the whole information. You got to have control over it now. It's got to be able to measure through different platforms that can have wildly different code bases. And then people still want better users. They still want better attribution. They still want all the improvements. And so Google basically shakes their head at this point and says, okay, we have this thing that was originally classic. We've got the same Model T Ford. We've added Universal to it. We've added some bells and whistles. But at a certain point, you kind of shake your head and you go like, it's time for a new car. We can't just keep fixing this. This thing is going to keep breaking down. It cannot handle the weight of what needs to happen now. It needs a new platform, right? If you think about it, Model T is not going to fit an airbag. It's not going to fit a fancy stereo. It's not going to fit any lock brakes. It can't fit any LiDAR detection stuff on it. It's just the platform's not built for it, right? It can't handle all the fancy stuff that we now need because measurement has become more complex over time. So then they go, okay, we're going to rebuild Google Analytics. We're going to call it App and Web, which is what they did. This is about four years ago now. And then it's since evolved into a couple of years back, they renamed it as Google Analytics 4. And that is GA4 that everyone's talking about now. The reason I explain that story in that way, that it was sort of this Model T version of the Ford, and that this is a rebuild, is because this is a mistake that Google has made with their messaging. They're calling it an upgrade, an update. And, it, and then so everyone's thinking it's like it was before. It'll be one day I walk into my Google Analytics and it's even better. But it is, and this is to really emphasize this for people that have not started this process, of which there's a decent chunk right now. If you're hearing this, you have to have a GA4 implementation started. You have to rebuild Google Analytics. It is not a simple upgrade. It is not a simple migration, which we can talk about because they're trying to get everybody to quote unquote migrate. But that's a mistake. So you need to rebuild using Google Analytics 4. You have to rebuild your measurement using that as a tool, just like if you were to start using Kissmetrics or some other platform, Amplitude or anything else. If you're going to some other analytics platform, you would have to rebuild your analytics in that platform. GA4, Google Analytics 4, is completely different than Universal. The only thing it shares is the name Google Analytics, but that's it. Everything else is different. The data is organized differently. What it can do is absolutely different. We can definitely go into those details. It's built for today's world going into tomorrow's world, whereas Universal Analytics is going to stop working. And that's really where we'll kind of end this and bring it to where we are. As marketers, Universal Analytics stops working July 1st. It's not going to collect any more new information. So you'll still have access to your reports, but on July 2nd, you're not going to know what happened July 1st. 
but it's not going to be recorded. So we have to make up other platforms. You have to get other platforms involved to be able to start measuring and figure them out now before that deadline occurs. All right. So brilliant recap. And I think the context is really important. The issue that I'm facing with GA4 is it feels really difficult to see where they're going. It feels like an empty vessel. So it's like we're putting you in this repository that kind they, of they being Google in this case. Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Google's like, yeah. hey, everybody go use this tool, which is a non-tool at the moment. It kind of does some stuff, but it's like aggregating data where I used to get to see individualized data. And then there's all these holes. And I can tell that things are going to be filling those holes at some point. Like I can tell that features are coming. They have all these saved places, but I don't necessarily know what features those are. And I'm curious as to whether or not you have a sense, just given what you know about measurement, I don't know that Google's raised any flags, but if you can see and connect some of the dots, what your prognostication is as far as what GA4 is going to bring and how to prepare for that. Yeah, it's a good question because obviously I've got no insight. I'm guessing like everybody else is. From what I can tell, the way they've developed this platform, the way they organized it is what I'm looking at. The big sort of underlying infrastructure that they've put in place for this. So you've got this entire platform called Google Analytics 4. But I really like to think about it like it's four different platforms in one right now, four analytics tools in one. And that's those workspaces. They break things down to what they call workspaces. So you've got that home workspace that's really like at 30 miles in the high, that's all it answers. Very general trend information. Imagine if you're trying to manage a garden and you're managing that garden 30 miles in the air, you're not gonna have a lot of information available to you, right? Very, very general trends. Then you go a level deeper, that's the reports workspace, right? And that's where you find like your traffic acquisition reports, which is very similar to the source medium report in Universal Analytics, works kind of the same way. So that's in there, right, at this reports level. That, people think like, oh, that's where I'm in the garden. That's a 1,000 feet high in the garden. Those reports are there just for general trends and patterns, right? That's what they're there to tell you. And that's probably what's frustrating me so much is I'm going to reports and I'm trying to replicate what I used to be able to do in UA. And I, I just can't get there. And then in my mind, I'm like, oh, they're hiding data from me. Google's lying. Let's solve and talk about why that's happening. Because a lot of it is there's so many misunderstandings. And again, this is, I, I think, a little bit on Google's messaging. But to be fair, it is complicated. And who wants to go read Google support docs, right? Nobody. So I get it. But the reason that's happening, because that home workspace is, again, 30 miles high, right? You've got your reports workspace 1,000 feet high. So now you can see the garden. You can see what spots are brown, which ones are green. But you don't see the details necessarily of the fruits and flowers or in the garden itself. So then you go into the explore workspace. That's where you're creating all these reports. That's when you're in the garden. You're tilling the soil, you're asking specific questions, and you're building specific reports to generate those, what they call explorations. And that's where you can do funnels, you can do path reports, you can do regular data table looking reports, user segmentation, so you can get you know unique user information. There's a lot of things you can do back there, but it is a lot of grunt work. But that's kind of how they developed it, was they wanted you to see overall what's going on. Here's the general trends and patterns, thousand feet high. Now let's get into the garden. Okay, well, in that case, you're going to build specific reports that answer your specific questions. We're going to come back to the why that is in a second. And then there's this advertising workspace. And that is just like the fruits, flowers, and veggies, right? I only care about these certain things coming from the garden. How did those things happen? And that's where it focuses on your conversions. So the trick to understanding sort of how this platform works is certain reports, they all have access to the same data set. Don't get me wrong. They're all the same data, but they process it differently. It's the lens that you're looking at. It's like you go to the optometrist and they put a different lens in front of you. And now I can see far away or I can see closer up. And some things you want the reports to do, they're going to show you answer A. I can flip a couple settings in your Google Analytics 4 account and get answer B. That doesn't mean either one is wrong. It is two different 
viewpoints of how you're viewing your reports, right? Based upon like how you're do, doing user identity or something. If you have Google signals turned on and off, like that's the sort of stuff that starts affecting it. Now, why is it affecting it? It's affecting it because remember that reports workspace is for thousand feet high answers. It is for general trends and patterns, not for specific answers. It's not built for that. That's the explore workspace. But general trends and patterns need modeling, and they will need it more and more and more over time because as privacy and consent starts rolling out, as the U.S. will certainly have a data privacy law, right? especially with what's going on with TikTok, they're going to have something. That's a necessary thing that's going to happen. It's two to three years even, but it'll happen. So when it does, there's that many less people that we're not going to be able to measure. They'll be on the site, but we're not going to be able to measure those behaviors. That's probably maybe the most important paradigm for our listeners to understand, which is UA let you track individual people. So you've got your lemmings out and you can see every single one of them and you can actually zoom in on those individuals and see what they did, when they did it, how they did it, and if they came back, assuming that you could keep the session ID intact. Yes. And now I'm, I'm about to say a bunch of things that I don't understand. So you correct me where I'm wrong, but this is my current understanding is UA let me track the individuals. GA4 puts a layer between me and the individuals called the model that says roughly and generally speaking, this is the way that individuals interact with your digital properties based off of the common denominators we at Google have determined or identified about those individuals. But if I go look at UA, I can see the number of visitors that hit my website yesterday and exactly what they did and where they did it. If I look at GA4, I'm seeing Google say, ish, in order to comply with privacy laws. It depends where you're looking. So let's get some of the nuance in here. So yes, GA4 is also collecting information the same way that Universal Analytics is, which means it's going to the individual user cookie level. It's also doing that. Whereas UA could only do that and then get what it could from Google Signals, meaning if we're all logged into Google device or Google, right? So Gmail or Maps or something we're logged into, multiple devices, even though you might not know on your Shopify store that I'm visiting, Google knows who I am. So Google's in the background, stitching the dots and sending details. They're anonymous, right? Into your Google Analytics. That's how a user might show up, right? That's Google Signals. That also worked in Universal Analytics. That's also been poured over for GA4. So right now, they're still one-to-one matching. They both collect details the same way. They both have Google Signals. The difference, they also technically have user ID. A little more complicated for those that are measuring user ID, but you can also do that. But isn't that non-compliant? Oh, no. No, no, no. It depends. Okay. It depends. Again, it's not measuring the thing that's wrong. It's what you're measuring and why. Okay. I don't mean to keep interrupting you, but I want to make sure we build the bridge that I can cross from end to end. So you were about to say, and then. So far, they're exactly the same. They do it in different methods, collecting the details differently, but they collect in spirit the same thing. Both are collecting user behaviors. Both have that Google Singles option. Both have the user ID option. They're identical. The thing where GA4 goes in a deep layer is it, or another layer up is where it says, okay, I can eventually model. Now, it does not do this on day one. No account does that. You need a lot of data. You need some other setup stuff, but it can start to think for itself because it knows without doubt no matter what, it did not measure every single person it could have because a certain amount of them are using Brave as a browser, others using ad blockers, others didn't click the cookie banner if you have one on your site. So it knows that, whereas Universal has no idea that's even a thing and it just spits out, it doesn't even think about it. GA4 knows to think about it. And then this is where your level comes in. You can start to teach it like, hey, okay, I want my reports to show like this, that, or the other thing. If you want them to show old school universal, you can do that. It's called doing it by device only. And it'll break down users essentially just by the cookies of the devices, right? And you're not using all the fancier bells and whistles, but 
sometimes you can see some events light up. Like we have somebody that'll say, I have a thousand purchases and I had 52 leads come through, but I don't see my leads at all in the reports. And we can flip it, change the way the user reports. And this is an important thing with J4. You can change that setting, look at reports, then go back and change it back. It sort of redisplays everything in the way you need to answer it. But again, if you don't know how to use this tool, you don't know that. And that's the problem. There's people that are not learning the tool, so they don't know how to use it. They're trying to use it like universal, but it's a different tool. It's like everything you learned about Universal does not apply to Facebook. It's a different tool. You have to learn how to use that tool. That's where some of the nuances are. It's how you adjust that. Now, that said, again, you're asking for specific answers. What I would do is I would use an exploration, build a report that answers those specific questions. It actually has more access to more details in the Explore workspace than the reports even do. That's sort of how to think about it. So it depends upon your answer. I know I'm trying to not make it as complex, but that is the no, dirty that's secret really of this. helpful. It is, there are more moving pieces to this that people don't realize. That's why it is so hard to learn it because they're jumping in with universal analytics expectations and rules. They get back there with a completely different interface. They think it's all different views of the same data, which it is, but each of those views actually has access to different data. So they can't only do certain things and they don't understand that. They don't understand the settings. And then they're like, well, this is like looking at the matrix. I'm like, of course it is. You've never learned to set this tool up. And more importantly, that's probably because you don't have a measurement strategy. You don't have a strategy in place. And so your tools are dictating your strategy. And that's a mistake because then it will constrain you because you don't have a proper measurement strategy. So measurement strategy should dictate the tool. Learn that. Then you move into using a tool like Google Analytics for know kind of what needs to be set up and why. Then all of a sudden you will start to see a more natural story because that tool can do backflips around Universal. But no one's really doing that yet because they're caught up in the wrong aspects of it, in my opinion, in a lot of cases, because they aren't understanding how to run it at all. They don't know about these little nuances that are back there. And that takes training. I mean, measurement's a department. It's not a project anymore. Yeah. So there's a golden nugget there, Chris, that you glazed over a little bit, but I think it's brilliant. And I've heard you say this before, the strategy should dictate the tool, not the other way around. And all of us 999 out of a thousand people open up the toolbox and let the tool dictate the strategy. And it puts us at a disadvantage and it puts anybody who's willing to define the strategy for themselves first. I mean, talk about a competitive advantage. That's huge. And then you go out and you figure out what tools are going to help you accomplish that. That's the entire idea. Because measurement, when it's done well, should tell you what's working and what's not. But more importantly, it should start to tell you what's coming next. To your point earlier, you're building a measurement system that is essentially your own little personal oracle that you get to go to and ask, hey, how many sales am I going to make next week if I send 100 people through this cold traffic Facebook campaign? And it should be able to tell you, well, here's how it should work. Here's how many sales are going to get, how much money is going to be created, the average ticket. And here's the different stages that that group of people should go to, assuming that the machinery is working the way we think it is. And you're like, cool, now I'm going to spend the money. Is it working the way it's supposed to? If not, you see where not, you can easily dictate and fix at that point, or at least know where to focus your resources when it comes to problem solving, what that is. But again, that's the beauty of GA4. You can make a report, it's the, what they call funnel exploration in GA4 that literally says things like, I'll give you a use case for us. We could say, okay, became familiar with the measure marketing IO brand, step one. Step two, got a free strategy course. Step three, looked at the Academy offer page. Step four, looked at the cart. Step five, purchase. In some of those behaviors, we can mention, okay, cart page, fine. But some of those behaviors didn't mention that. They didn't say, oh, I want a page view of the offer page. Or when they hit a blog post and they scroll halfway down and blah, 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 blah. 
So what you do is you're setting up your reports to tell a story. That's the strategist idea. They know what they're going to do with the story. They understand how it should be working, what the breakdown should be as the user goes through the user journey. Then the implementer goes, okay, well, how would I know if somebody was engaged with the brand? Well, we're going to define that as they've landed on a blog post through a retargeting campaign that was designed to get them to re-engage, right, or to engage. They land on the blog post, scroll halfway down. They've been there for a minute. Go tell Google Analytics 4, and this is key, go tell Google Analytics 4, familiar with brand. That's the name of the event. Now, Google Analytics 4 isn't recording page view of this page or scroll 50% or time equals 10,000 milliseconds or any of that junk. It's telling a story because we're putting a story in it to tell. So think about this like storylytics. That's kind of the idea behind this. We're putting it in a way so that it naturally tells a story back. That's what the whole storylytics framework that we're working on right now, specifically with GA4, it comes in really well because it is so customizable. That's one of the best definitions of what the big change is, I think, from my perspective. Now I'm like, oh, all right, now I get it. Because all I hear is all my metrics are somehow missing. I used to go in and just see page views, and I used to see leads, and I used to see purchases. So like, now what? It's all events. Nothing is there. But when in fact, it's all about like the user story, what your brand actually wants to do at each individual step, and then creating reports around the steps to the ultimate conversion, not about the data that dictates the steps, but not necessarily. Yeah, it's like the data will be there, but it's not the front show anymore. The story is in front of the data, as opposed to the data being in front of the story. And I'll tell you, just to kind of walk through, like a lot of people have, quote unquote, set up their Google Analytics for, but all they've done is activated it. And it's recording what they call automatic events, right? Things like a page view, scroll was when they bottom, you know, scroll to the bottom of the page. And that's already a plus. Like that platform does more out of the box just being activated than Universal ever could. And so it's not a horrible thing. At least there's something. But it's unbelievably generic because those behaviors apply to every possible website that exists. That's why they are there. They're automatically created because every website that installs YouTube video or embeds YouTube video on their page does it in the exact same way so they can build an automatic event that records it. Then you get into what they call these recommended events. So think about this instead of just like business, digital business event, there is my specific business model event. So my business model is e-commerce. Well, if that's true, I have e-commerce store, like Shopify store or something, I'm going to want to measure e-commerce journey. I want purchase behaviors. Do I have leads? No, maybe I don't. So I don't need a generate lead event. They have all these different recommended events they tell people to set up. And what all these integrations that the platforms are doing, like when Shopify did their integration recently, they now do these. They record recommended events. But at best, they tell the story of how your business model is doing right? Within digital business as a category. So then there's the layer down. That's what you and I are now talking about, which is custom events. Literally events you make up. Events you make up. It just has to have a name. That's it. So those custom events is where I think 90% of the events in your, and this is how you tell if you guys are using GA4, right? Go to GA4, look in your admin section, you click on the events, click there. Are most of them custom events, meaning these are behaviors that are not even specific to a business model. They're specific to this particular brand, right? So you measure it in the way that the customer talks about their brand. So like we have a toolbox membership. So do we fire a generate lead event? Yes, we have a generate lead event. That's kind of a generic way of measuring it. We also fire, hey, they just completed the toolbox journey. So now when we're building funnels, we say, show us who was aware of the journey, who engaged with the journey, where the drop-off was before they completed the journey. We can see that story because we're putting that story into Google Analytics 4. It's 
massive. And just to emphasize the potential, and this is why I think there's a wrestling with Google Analytics 4 right now. There are people going into it, trying to use it in a way that it does not want to be used. They're doing this because they know universal rules and they're not rethinking GA4. And you have to rethink it from start because it's a different platform. The conversation is something like this. Cosm comes to me and says, hey, I want to get access to this super advanced thing so I can do this, this, and this. And I'd be like, oh, no, you don't want to do that. There's a much easier way to do it. And Cosm said, well, no, no, because this is universal. This is how I would do it. So I'm going to do it like that. And I'm like, yeah, but you really don't have to. This is so much easier if you just do these other. No, no, I'm going to do it this other way. Okay, you can put it as a page view parameter and create a custom. If you want to do that, go for it. And so there is a wrestling that's happening where people are making GA4 too complicated because they're not improving their builds. They don't have 90% of their events as custom events. They don't describe brand-based behaviors and they're not making it record a story. So how can it tell a story later? And when you start doing that, and this is why, again, measurement's a department, not a project. Because how I would measure this a year ago is not how I measure it now. Because I've realized as we go through our measurement framework strategy that, hey, we're not getting the questions that we need. We're not able to ask the questions we want to ask easily to get the answers back. Let's change how we implement the build. And we've evolved that technique. Almost every time we teach it again, which we teach it probably every three months now, there's always a new update where like, okay, here's the thinking now that's helping to unlock it. And there are no limits on GA4 when it comes to the number of events. That's crazy to think about. They actually limit iOS and Android apps to 500 different event names. But that is massive. I've never seen a container with more than 200. It's amazing what you can do. So every single user journey, you could explain it. You could say things like if your Shopify store hovered over images, investigating reviews, clicked play on this one person's testimonial. You can get really, really granular. I mean, obviously, you don't measure the things that you're not asking questions around, but it is a phenomenal tool. And it has a lot of those bells and whistles that I think people are ignoring. When Cosm sees a slot where something can plug in, I actually see the thing plugged in already because he doesn't know it's there. And I'm like, oh, it's right here. If you just do this thing, and he goes, oh, I didn't realize. Then it becomes visible to him. Now it's on his toolkit. Yeah, you have to build it out, it sounds like, and we're not building it out. So from a paid traffic perspective, Mercer, what I'm seeing when I import conversions from analytics into Google Ads, UA was always about 30% short. So if I showed 100 conversions from GTM, which is actually from Google Ads using GTM, so 100 conversions from Google Ads, I'd show 70 conversions from UA, and I'm showing 50 conversions from GA4 it looks like it's dropping almost half. And I don't know if that's because it's new, it's waiting to take over. Like, and, and I haven't really paid attention to it just because we haven't used it. I'm banking on Google Ads conversion tracking using GTM and I reconcile with a bunch of other tools, but it makes me distrust the platform. Yeah, I would take a look and see what your Explore reports show and the advertising reports show. Right, because they're there to make Google Ads look great. So I would take a look at that, you know, make sure that they're coming in. Other than, that, I mean, I, obviously it's tough to go down the rabbit hole of how I fix something. I have to see the implementations were, and you can send them to me later. Let's take a look. But there are reasons that's happened because there's another group that's called Measure Slack. That's great. It's really just for measurement geeks for sure. But if you're a measurement geek, you should already be in Measure Slack. Just Google it. You can see how to join. But there have been talks about in the community, okay, why is Google Ads saying this and Google Analytics 4 saying that? They are different platforms. They're going to calculate differently. I think what we do right now when it comes to conversions is our best path is that we use Tag Manager to fire the Google Ads conversion directly to Google Ads to avoid some of that confusion as to firing it into GA4 and firing it in GA4. You know, you still fire the event in GA4. So now you have directly from Tag Manager that tells Google Ads skips the middleman. And we're going to tell the middleman so they can figure out what the difference is or what the trends and patterns are there if there's something off. For us, we do a lot of yes and 
for that reason. The yes and is important for us too. And that's it. Dude, here's what's funny. And I'm, I'm actually working this into my keynote now because it's become such a problem. I'll give you an example. We just did a, an episode on this not too long ago. I spent $150,000 on YouTube, a little bit more than that now. We're closing in 175 grand. My cost per lead, according to Google, is six or $7,000. My actual cost per lead is like two, three, 400 bucks. Any top of funnel marketing strategy that I run in Google, it has an absolute, complete, and total inability to track conversions that take place over time and over sessions. So if somebody clicks and converts, it'll track that. But if they watch- But it cannot track a journey. It cannot track a journey. But this is what's funny, man, is I don't buy that. Google, with all of its data and this massive infrastructure, well, here's what I do think, and this is going to get conspiracy theory-esque. I think they can see everything. But I think that they're holding back because they don't want the antitrust suit or privacy issue laws. Like I think that they're a company run by lawyers, and they're like, "All right, don't let well, them see that we can see." Back right now, dude. Right? Yes, that's why they're holding bar back. I've been 100%. saying that the whole time. That thing's on such reins right now because they're Google. It costs them more to get it wrong. Yeah. They're going to go let ChatGPT take all the arrows, exactly right. what they do with Facebook. Yeah, and then, exactly and then right. once we've all calmed down, it's like, oh, okay, well, the machine are our overlords now. They'll be like, oh, and by the way, we have this way better tool with way more data. Yeah. Right. So That's I just don't recent. buy yeah. that they can't. Waiting in the wings. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm going to try to buttress what I'm saying. Every member of my team has gone through your training. I've got some really sharp people here building our tracking. My CTO taught the folks at high level first party data acquisition. I know we're set up to capture this. And if we're running middle or bottom of the funnel campaigns, we get the conversion data and we get it with great degrees of efficacy. But when we start running top of funnel campaigns, Google, be it inside ads or UA or GA4, like it cannot see or refuses to provide the information that would let me see the efficacy of my paid traffic campaigns long-term. Yeah. And some of it's going to be based upon what you can measure, right? With GA4. But the second, just as an idea, if you haven't explored it again, because GA4 can be so customized, right? Every event is just an event name, just whatever the name of a behavior is. They viewed a page, they call it a page view. You got a lead, they call it generate lead. You can make up an event name. Like we have, oh, they completed toolbox or completed the academy or whatever the event name is. Then you have 25 different parameters that you can send that are individual details that describe that event. So if GA4 gets involved at all, right? They click on YouTube, they're top of funnel, they come over to blog post, wherever else on your site. When that happens, capture everything you can from the URL parameters, right? So like you said, you're capturing GCLID ID, whatever else is there. Maybe reading cookie values of client IDs or whatever else. You can capture whatever is available to you in the browser window. Pass it through as a custom parameter for that specific event that makes sense in your story, right? So when you're like, in our case, it might, we use the ACE model all the time per our framework. So it's like, we measure when somebody's aware of a certain thing. We measure when they completed the journey. We measure when they engage along the way. So we can start to see drop-offs. Sometimes we're measuring multiple engagement points. But each event that happens, we're like, okay, what was the traffic source associated to this event? Now notice we're pushing that through as a custom parameter. Why? Because I like Google's opinion of what source medium is and session source medium. And they do first user source medium. Now that's another upgrade. They do that automatically. So we know original traffic sources, but it's still just their opinion. I want another way to view that information. So I'm going to capture that specific event and I can build a report and say, show me what my source medium metric said or dimension said at that point in time. I'm letting them figure it out and I'm not bypassing their systems at all. I think their systems are awesome. And I'm going to put it in so that every single sentence has every single word that I want it to have. And so it doesn't have to be modeled. 
I can just see what I need. So I can be like, show me the aware. What traffic source is making people aware? And I can just count it by that parameter coming through. So you think about the behavior that's being collected, what's all the information I want to know about that behavior. And at a certain point, you might be like, we're always going to collect these seven things that are sort of helping us to stitch the user or the session together. Like, yes, does GA4 have that? Yes, but it also models and you can't have access to their model. So if you want that black box thing, can you put it in BigQuery? Of course, but that comes with its own challenges using BigQuery. So you, you still have to put in BigQuery in a way that makes it easier to pull back out. And doing that by event, what's the behavior we're measuring for? What are all the details we're going to know about that specific point in time? And then you collect them all. That's what we're doing wrong. We're just going after conversions. We're not tracking the individual events to a great degree. So how can it tell you how they worked to that if there's nothing to measure against? If there's no way for you to say, this was the awareness event, it can't tell you how many awareness, if there's no awareness event, it can't tell you that story. It needs an event to measure against to say, okay, I got them this far. By the way, they continued on. I got them this far. Then they stopped. But then email goes, hey, I picked up the ball and I took them over. Exactly right. Yeah, they'll tell you a story, but you got to get the information in there. You're looking for the end result. So we are here with Chris Mercer, co-founder of Measure Marketing. Io. We'll obviously leave links in the show notes. This is a visual thing too. So this is an audio medium here, but I think it's your YouTube channel is amazing. So we're going to leave links to that as well as ways in which you all can get some resources here to help with your migration from Universal over to GA4. After this quick break, we're going to get into what happens with all your data from Universal when it does hit July 1st, which is coming fast right after this quick break. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, we are back with Chris Mercer. And I think the big thing here is this whole idea of user stories. Like this is where I'm like, oh my God, we've been looking at this all wrong. We've been looking at it a completely different way. We've been trying to go into the left side door when in fact, it's actually, it's the right side door. <laughs> that is a whole different way of looking at things here. So definitely go back and listen to the previous part of this episode. And obviously we'll leave more links in the show notes. 
The question that a lot of people have, fearful or not, is July 1st, what happens with all the data? Does it get migrated over? Give us like your sense as to how things happen here. So essentially what's happening is Universal Analytics will stop collecting new information. So it's a lot of people saying it stopped working, kind of. It's, it's Parts of it won't work anymore, for sure. So it won't record new information. So end of June, that's it. You're only going to have that. Now, how long can you go back into Universal Analytics, still access and ask it questions and do whatever you've been doing using it the way you've been using it? At this point, again, this is all just assumptions and guesses because no one really knows. Google hasn't been great at defining exact dates, but at least six months. So I would assume that for the rest of this year, you'll have access to it. In 2024, at a certain point, they're going to get rid of it. They will have to deprecate it because they have a lot of information back there that they don't want access to either. But remember, Universal was built, so you couldn't delete it all easily. So they can't can't delete it all easily. So they're, and they're not going to. That's why they're just dumping that platform and starting over from scratch with GA4. You will have access to Universal Analytics. If you just are going to use it for the next three or four months, that's what your model needs and you never look back in time, then you won't need to worry about backing it up because you're not going to use it anyway. However, what I would look for is there's lots of different services that are going to be coming out, especially in July. They're going to be like everywhere. I'm sure AppSum will probably will have one that comes out. It's a place I would look. Just kind of like what's a simple way to get in and pull the information out. If you're a little more technical, there's already lots of different ways to do that. There's a great tool called Analytics Canvas that does it for like 100 bucks. And you go in there, you say, I need, and it's not the entire database of everything you've ever collected, because let's face it, most of us don't care about what screen size or browser operating system version that they used. But you go in there and you say, okay, here's the certain things I want, traffic sources, conversion events, page views, the general information. You pull all that out and you pop it into your own database. Some people will put it into a spreadsheet so they can access it there. Other people put it into a database. Is there going to be something that says, okay, Universal, we're going to push you into GA4? I personally would not do that. The reason I would not do that, and this is what the problem with migration is, why we always call it a rebuild, even though we use the migrate word too, because everybody else does, but it really is a rebuild. That's how you think about this. You are rebuilding in GA4, or else you're not taking advantage of everything that GA4 has to offer. You're going to use it like the, with the same restrictions that Universal had. So if you tried to migrate your data in Universal Analytics automatically, which Google is also trying to do this for people, but they've also said, please don't let us do this for you, but we're going to if we have no choice. That's what they've told people. Literally, that says in the beginning, we do not recommend you allow us to do this, but we're going to if you don't. And people are taking that as an, oh, good, they can do the heavy lifting. It's just going to screw up their accounts later. Don't let that happen to you. But essentially, this migration, if you take the information that was stored in German, and now you're like, oh, well, we moved to France. So I'm going to take all that German language, and I'm just going to start using that in France. You're not going to get a great result because half of them probably don't speak German in that particular area, maybe, right? It's a different language. The data is in a different language. There is no way to creatively put it into GA4 where it's going to be useful. It's always going to be German. It's going to be German in a bunch of a middle of French. It's going to look weird. So we don't recommend that at all. Grab what you need in a separate place that you're asking questions around and store it. Some of you, that's going to be BigQuery if you know how to use that. Spreadsheets, if you know how to use those, would be the second best option or use a tool that'll be out there. There'll be lots of tools that promise they're going to record everything. The trick I would say is just have access to it. Make sure it's something that you're paying for that's on your servers at that point and not relying on some push button simple tool that was here today, but then gone tomorrow. And then all your data is gone with it. So make sure you control that. But that's sort of how I would think about it. Dude, that's such a good note, by the way. I'd say 30% of the stuff I buy on AppSumo doesn't exist a year from now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I plan for it to go away. They're super cool, which is why they're super cheap, right? You give them a chance, nothing against them. It's just, I also know they may not be there or they get absorbed by somebody or especially nowadays, money's more expensive. So profits are more important. 
Okay. All right. So if you're worried about the migration July 1st, you had at least six months. It seems like it. And then you're going to have to have some sort of data storage to be able yeah, to- At least six months yeah. after that to keep it. Mm, right. But got it. you got to get started on rebuilding GA4 now. And this is especially for those of you who are like, oh, that's been on our someday maybe list. That was- a month ago. We already passed the deadline and I cannot, as much as we are trying, I was at a recent conference, we had 600 people in the room, all marketers, half of them were like, yeah, we're going to get to it eventually. So I get it. I understand how marketers work, but this is one of those tools that is not going to be kind to you. It's not like you're going to be able to figure it out quickly. It's going to smack you around a little bit and battle you. It's a different type of tool. And I know that doesn't sound pleasant, but that's kind of my training style. Like, I'm going to tell you like it is, but we're also not going to make it harder than it has to be. There are some simple ways of working with this tool that will change everything you get from it and how you use it. But you got to start with your strategy first, then ease into the tool. One's going to help the other one. Mm, yeah. For sure. So final parting words here. I know you've got a hard stop here. Obviously, we'll have you back for a fourth time, four times charm GA4. You know, it's our lucky number here. What parting, the gifts that, Gift keep that keeps on, on giving. giving. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back after July 1st when people are probably freaking out. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's just sort of a troubleshooting episode. But what additional advice do you have? Like the whole user story thing is a mind blower for me, first off. But additionally, People who are having a hard time with it right now, what's some words of wisdom? I'm a big believer in obviously you got to put out the fires you have, but at the same time, you should take care of the machine that's kicking out all the sparks too. The reason that people are having such a problem with tools like GA4 is because they do not, as a rule, understand measurement as a strategy to improve marketing. They think they do because they see a bunch of numbers, but they're not doing the right things with them or not even sure if they're asking the right questions. If any of that's happening, I have no idea what to do with the numbers. I see a lot of information, no story, all that sort of stuff. It's because you're not using a measurement strategy to control that tool. That tool will be a useful ally for you, but it's got to be against a strategy. Go to measuremarketing.io forward slash perpetual. That'll take you to what we call a toolbox membership. It's completely free. There's a three-hour course, right? It goes back to the whole, like, give out the thing that's the most valuable. That measurement marketing framework course that we will teach you will teach you strategy. I would start with that. And it's three hours because it's important to go through the strategy. So you understand it at the different levels. There's different levels to it. And the whole thing is you can at least get good enough to get going and understand how the tools come into play. My next advice after focusing on strategy would be moving into GA4 and just think get good enough to get going. You'll come back and make it better later. Because remember, measurement is a department. It is not a project. It is never one and done. It's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. It hasn't for a long time. Measurement is something that constantly evolves. Your implementations should be changing as your questions are changing. And if you're not asking different questions, I would think about you're probably not using your measurement to its fullest extent because it should always lead you to the next mountaintop so you can see the mountaintops after that. So if you're not evolving your measurement, that's where I'm like, okay, maybe you probably have a little bit of pushing to do to get people to use it because that goes back to strategy not being used. But focus on just get good enough to get going with these tools. But please, please, please start getting into GA4 and practicing it because it's not going to be like the easiest thing in the world. And I just want sort of everybody to rip that bandaid off and be like, yeah, it's not. And we still have to learn it. To Ralph's point earlier about the, you know, going to rip off the bandaid because this is something I don't want to do, but I got to take my medicine. Right. Cosmo and I think we were talking offline. We were talking about how it's like, it's, this is, has no sugar in it at all. It doesn't. It's a bitter pill, but it's a whatever. It's useful. And sometimes you got to take your medicine. This is just one of those things for marketers. If we can help you do it, Ralph had mentioned the YouTube channel, go forth and, you know, do it. We try to make our training accessible for regular people. But whoever you learn it from, even if you're learning it on your own, however, get on it because it's a bigger thing than you think it is. But it's also, it can unlock a massive amount of visibility into your organization that you didn't even know you could see. 
if you properly use this tool. Yeah. I mean, I went through your training last year after the last time you were on. It was exactly a year ago that you were on. It's like, I think even if you're not doing it, you have to understand it at a high level because this is so important. I, mean, I know we're re-emphasizing the obvious here, but we've already emphasized it. But I do think that's super important. And the link over at measurementmarketing.io forward slash perpetual, is that that's an even more updated course than the one that I went through last year. Like that's the with, framework course, right? So got it. Okay. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't give it doesn't give away the Google Analytics course, all the different platform courses, but it'll give you the strategy course that's back there. So you'll have that. And then we did just update the Google Analytics four courses. So if you or the team want to go through them again, it'd be a good time because there's new features. There's just new things to cover. And then there's the experience of, okay, it's been a couple of years. Now we're trying to do it like this. And here's how we're thinking about stuff. And that is helpful because again, measurement evolves. There is no one way to think about it. There's just, here's what we currently think about it based on where we are, you know, and then with more data, with more feedback, you should change how you think about stuff based upon what the information says at that point in time. And that's the whole benefit of measurement. Yeah. Makes sense. People want to connect with you personally. I know you're not like a huge social media guy. Is there somewhere there? I mean, obviously, we've got the measurementmarketing.io forward slash perpetual. Anywhere else people can connect yeah, with Yeah, honestly, I'm Mercer. more school that way. Anybody has any information, just, yeah, Mercer at measurementmarketing.io. Everyone calls me Mercer. So Mercer at measurementmarketing.io will get you to me. But obviously, to sign up for the toolbox, you can apply to those emails. I'm happy to help people out with specific questions that they have wherever I can. And obviously, the YouTube channel. Leave comments on the YouTube channel. We can't always get to all of those, but we do our best to try to help out. Yeah, YouTube channel, super good. Yeah, I think like after the first two years of knowing you, I didn't even know your first name. So anyway, so it's good to good to meet exactly. you again, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, everybody, thank you for listening. We'll definitely have Mercer back on the show here probably sometime after July 1st for episode four with him. And over at perpetualtraffic.com, you can get all the resources that we mentioned here in the show. We'll also make sure that you check out measurementmarketing.io forward slash perpetual. There is no affiliate link there. Mercer doesn't pay anything to us to be on the show here. We're doing this out of the goodness of our heart because you, the marketer, need to know this stuff. You need to eat your broccoli, really. That's at the end of the day. The cod liver oil, whatever it is. Like I guess my dad used to have that. I've never had that. It's, it's really terrible. But anyway, I'm showing my age here. But make sure you do check that out. We'll, we'll leave here all the links in the show notes. Follow me over on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active over there as well as Kasim on Twitter at Kasim Aslam. Go back and listen to previous episodes. And like I said, you can check out everything at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Aslam, peace. I'm imitating him. Peace. There you go. That's my Kasim. <laughs> Until next show. <laughs> I'm too white. That's it. What are we doing here? I don't know. All right. <laughs> Until next show. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic 